Welcome, friends. You're listening to the Swears and Does Hair podcast for bridal hairstylists and makeup artists looking to take their business to new levels. Here we tackle topics such as mindset, finances, balancing business with motherhood, and healthy strategies to keep your body and mind supporting your business rather than holding it back. I'm your host, Sue Minsky, business coach for bridal hairstylists and creator of the Next Level Bridal Business Program. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait to dig into today's topic, so let's get started. Hello, and as always, welcome back to a new episode of the Swears and Does Hair podcast. Today, we are discussing the art of the consult. Now, this is not just a consult for uh, day of services. This today's episode is going to be a little bit more geared towards a trial or a preview um, or other type of consultation. We're actually working only with the bride. Um, if you are looking for some more information on things to talk about and look for and discuss when doing a consultation with bridal party members, I highly recommend that you go back a few episodes to episode number nine, where I discuss reading the room in body language. It uh, was released on December 27th of 2021. There's a lot of great information and tips inside that specific episode to talk about um, things to look for and questions to ask and stuff like that to find out what people are looking for and what they're going to be comfortable with. Today, I wanted to kind of branch off from that and talk a little bit more specifically about working with our brides and what we can do to prepare and what we can do um, during the consultation to make sure that they have an amazing experience with us, um, that they feel competent in our skills as a makeup artist or as a hairstylist, that they are actually being served properly and being given what they actually want. Because a lot of times, if you've been doing this for a while, you'll know this. Sometimes people will ask for stuff and it's not what they actually want. It's not what they actually mean. So there's a couple of different reasons why this happens. It could be because they don't understand terminology. How many times have you had somebody who, you know, as a makeup artist has said, I want natural makeup. And then they show you a picture of Kim Kardashian. That's the least fucking natural makeup you will ever see. They don't want natural, they want neutral, but they don't know how to express that. And so it's our responsibility and our job as a professional to go deeper, to ask more questions, to figure out what they're actually looking for. We don't just take the photo that they show us, sit down and do it. That's doing a complete disservice to our clients. Okay. We need to understand, is this what they actually want? Is this appropriate for them? And is this something that's going to actually make them happy? Because sometimes what they ask for also, it won't fit their features or it won't fit their hair type. Um, Or it's just not going to look the same on them because they're showing you an inspiration photo of somebody completely different. So I want to talk about ways that we can um, go deeper in our consultations to figure these things out so that when people walk out, they're not second guessing. Um, We're not wasting time having to redo things, et cetera, et cetera. 
the time that we put into preparing and then having a proper consultation before we get started on the hair or before we get started on the makeup can really make or break these interactions with clients. So I want to go over some of the stuff that I think that everybody should be doing beforehand. Now, this happens through either emails or phone conversations, but primarily I'm going to recommend email. If you have a phone conversation with anybody or any conversation at all um, with a bride, I always tell people, make sure that you follow it up with an email writing out what you said. So that way there is no miscommunication. There is no, but you said this from either side. Um, I know of people who have had a conversation with a bride before and they told them, you know, I don't remember what the specifics was it, um, but it had to do with timing. And that for that many people, they were gonna need X number of additional artists and it was going to take X number of hours. And they had that conversation over the phone with them at the trial. And then when it came time to setting the schedule and getting invoice for the additional artists, the bride kind of lost her shit and was like, well, what do you mean it's going to take this long? We can't get into the venue until this time. Um, you said this. And the artist was like, I never said that. We had this conversation multiple times and she couldn't figure out where this error in communication was coming from. And I asked her, I said, well, after you had these conversations with, with this bride, did you follow it up with, in writing with an email? As we discussed on the phone today, as we discussed at your trial today, here's how many artists we need, how long it's going to take et cetera, et cetera. And she was like, no, I didn't because we've had this conversation so many times. I figured she understood. So always in, in my experience, just assume everybody's an idiot. That's just my general rule of thumb. Assume that they weren't listening to you and didn't understand what you're saying. Um, I think it was, you know, just recently in the Spider-Man movie where MJ is like, always expect disappointment. So when it happens, you're not actually disappointed. Um, and that's kind of like my general outlook for humans. Um, I, I expect them to not actually be listening. So sometimes when people follow directions, I'm like, oh, okay, we're actually listening. But I'm still going to put everything in writing and break it down for you explicitly just so there's no errors in communication. Like my husband and I will argue all the time. He'll say they or, you know, some other word, very vague. And I'm like, who specifically are you talking about? Make it clear. Make clear communication. Tell me every time. I, you need to treat me like I'm an idiot. Who are you specifically talking about? Where is that place that you're talking about? Use, use proper names of places and people and, and things like that. Uh, pretend everything is capitalized in your mind for important information so that you know to emphasize it and that you, you know to make that clear. So that's just my general rule for, for dealing with people. Anytime I have a phone consultation, as soon as I hang up, I'm at my computer saying, hey, bride, it was so great talking with you on the phone. Just want to go over everything that we discussed. Here's the timing I recommend, the number of artists I recommend. Here's your pricing as detailed in that PDF that I sent you when you originally inquired. 
XYZ, blah, 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 whatever we discussed. It's another level of service that you're displaying to them. And then the exact same thing after their trial, after they come in for the consultation, uh, we'll get into what I kind of go over um, in that. But again, I sit down and I send them the follow-up because I send them the contract after their trial. I'll get into why I do all that in a minute. But, um, you know, as discussed today at your trial, because of XYZ services and XYZ people and blah, 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 blah. Here's the contract detailing all of those things as we discussed, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of reiterate a few of those things. I ask them to go over the contract with a fine tooth comb, make sure that all the details are correct, initial in the correct places, sign and return. So um, the follow-up is what's really um really going to make sure that your communication stays really nice and clear. And I'm going to do an additional like whole episode in in a couple of weeks specifically on communication. But um, that's just my little follow-up tip for today. Anytime you talk with people, follow it up. So um, getting back to the prep. So I send a questionnaire beforehand. So when I'm doing a phone consult with people or an email consultation beforehand and I'm asking them questions, that helps me to direct the conversation. But I also send an actual questionnaire where I can have all those details cleanly in one place for easy reference for both myself and for my bride. So even though they've already answered a lot of these questions already, I don't want to have to search through emails or try and search through notes or rack my brain about what we already discussed beforehand. I want to prep for their appointment in those 15 minutes before they arrive by pulling up that questionnaire on my phone or on my laptop or iPad or wherever I'm accessing HoneyBook. And there is a questionnaire right in there that details all of these things. So I can quickly refresh my my memory, you know, and I'm asking them about the details of their wedding day yet again, okay? Because sometimes things will shift and will change. It depends on where in the process you send that questionnaire and where in their wedding planning process you as a business owner do your trials. If people are sending you uh, contracts or... Um, I do a different method. I do a retainer first, okay? And that holds their wedding date until we meet for a trial run. And then if we are, we're both on the same page and we are a good fit, then we move forward with contracting the wedding day. So I have a two-step process because I want to make sure that I am working with people who are only a exceptionally good fit for my business. And so I have a really stringent screening process because I want to protect their energy and I want to protect mine. Um, So uh, all of those email communications and stuff like that take time and then we do a retainer and then it may be six, eight, 10 months or whatever, depending on how far in advance they book before we actually meet for a trial. Now with that retainer, they've already paid for stuff. So I'm not suggesting 
booking a, a wedding without taking monetary compensation and, and holding dates for people and stuff like that, that may not work out. I have guidelines on how far in advance the trial has to be before their wedding day. Um, so I'm not holding something up and then they're doing a trial a week before the wedding. And then I'm like, no, we're not a good fit. And now I'm losing out on money. I have a whole big long process of how I structure what happens when, when I get paid, et cetera, et cetera, that I go way in depth into, um, inside my course. Um, but I'm asking them all of these details at multiple touch points because things change. Bridal party members may add in or drop out, especially in the last few years during the pandemic, people can or cannot travel, um, or people get pregnant and are no longer part of the bridal party. I've had that happen a bunch of times, uh, falling outs with mothers, mother-in-laws, aunts, grandmas, you name it. Bridal party numbers shift and change. Some people get haircuts and now they don't need hair services, but then they go get extensions and they want to come back in. So I let all of that kind of be in flux until it's time to write the contract. And I do that um, after meeting with them at the trial. So that questionnaire um, gets sent out to them before the trial that they can fill out. And I can refer to that right before they get there for the most accurate information. And then sometimes it may have been, you know, a week or two and something again has changed. The, the location where they're getting ready um, may change. The, a lot of venues, you can't get in before a certain amount of time and they don't want to pay for additional artists. So they'll say, okay, well, I need to find a hotel instead or an Airbnb nearby. Um, so my questionnaire is going to ask about all of those details as well. So I prep all of that type of information beforehand. So that way, when they're there in front of me, we can have the conversation about all of those things and all those details are fresh in my mind. The questionnaire is also going to go in depth uh, regarding how they want to look on their wedding day. Um, and this also helps me um, to understand who's going to be a good fit for me stylistically. So I'm never having somebody show up in my chair for a trial and they're showing me a look that is not in my wheelhouse. I've already got all of this information well enough in advance to put the kibosh on it and be like, whoa. That is not a good fit for me. Please take a look through my portfolio and tell me some looks from my portfolio that fit your vision. If you can't find any, I would be more than happy to recommend another artist that would be a better fit for you. Because I don't want people coming in and sitting down for something that I don't feel confident in recreating for them. I'm fine with pushing myself. Okay, I'm not saying like get one style and, and sit in it and just be like, that's the only thing that you do. And then your work becomes cookie cutter and we get, you know, uninspired as artists. But I am never going to put Instagram makeup on somebody. Never, 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 never. I'm not going to do heavy contour. I'm not going to do thick winged liner or a cut crease or carved brows. Uh, it's never going to be heavy mask-like foundation, ultra matte, sculpted kind of look. That is 100% not the type of makeup that I do. And so I never have people who sit down um, 
prior to, you know, or at, at the trial and, and show me that kind of stuff. Cause we've had enough conversations and my marketing is not geared towards those people. So they very rarely get attracted to my work anyways. But sometimes, you know, you have people who are just like, oh, all hairstylists can do all hairstyles or all makeup artists can do all looks. If I had to, yeah, I could do that look. Do I want to? Fuck no. That is not my style. Nothing against you if that's your style, if that's what your clients want. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying not my style. It would like make my skin crawl to do makeup like that. And then there are people who that is their style, who would make their skin crawl to do like that uber, like natural makeup look that I specialize in. Like they're just, they're so different that, you know, some people just stylistically, you know, you, you should know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I hope you feel me on that one where you're just like, that is so not me. Please don't make me do that. Like I would, I would never be on, uh, one of these makeup competitions on TV because they'd like tell me to put sprinkles on somebody's face and I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> I remember when blush came out like 13, 14 years ago or whatever. I don't even remember what channel it was on. It was like that first makeup artist competition or whatever. And they're like, here is a bunch of food coloring and frosting and sprinkles and like random food shit now go do makeup and I'm like that's not fucking makeup like I'm not putting that on people's face like the avant-garde world is so not me it is just it's so not and a lot of like super editorial looks and graphic liner and, and those kinds of things I'm just like that's not me that's not what I like to do so um I make sure that the people when they're gonna sit down with me that they're gonna show me something where I'm like yes that's me I all, all the, the stars are aligned. My marketing has pulled the right people into my chair. We're a good fit. I can create this for them and they're going to love it because that's what they want. That's what they need. I'm the best person to give that to them. So that's the point I'm trying to make. So um, all of that prep beforehand is going to do that. Uh, I ask them to send me photos prior till, um, or prior to the appointment, because I want to see what their inspiration is. So that way I can direct them. No, 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 no. This isn't going to work. Please look for somebody who looks like you. Actually, I just had this happen last week. Um, I had a bride who sent me some photos and she mentioned in the comment, I have a, um, a heavy lid. So eyeliner doesn't usually work for me. But then the photos that she showed me were like 20-year-old professional models with these huge, you know, perfect eyelid shape with, you know, a natural crease and big, thick eyeliner. And so I had to email her back and say, I think you need to look for some different inspiration photos. You said that this is not what your eyelid shape is. Here's some resources where you can find inspiration images for people with your eye shape. I think you'll be much more satisfied with the results. Because if you have an expectation that your makeup is going to look like this, but your face is not shaped like this, we're going to have a come to Jesus moment or, you know, you're not going to be happy. We can use the colors in the photos 
as inspiration, but I'm not going to be able to achieve that look for you. I don't want you to be disappointed. And so that way I'm offering her a solution. Here's a resource, where to go, what to look for. I'm not discrediting what she sent to me because I'm saying we can use that color palette as inspiration. And then I went further into the conversation of what attracted you to these photos if you're saying you don't want eyeliner because it doesn't work for you, yet both of these images have very thick eyeliner. Is there something else in the image that attracted you? So now it's time to start doing that deeper level of psychology. What do you actually want? Because what you're saying is not matching what you're showing me. And so that kind of brings us into that next point. When you are doing a consultation with people, you need to make sure that you're asking the right questions. We never want to just take a look at a photo and get right to work because it's not necessarily always going to be exactly what they need or what they want. Sometimes people have deep-seated um, past traumas, okay, things in the back of their mind that are influencing the decision for what they want for their wedding day, okay? It could be something that a past family member has said. I have a lot of brides who have come to me who have a lot of trauma from comments that their mothers have made. Mothers are horrible. I love them to death, but they are horrible to their daughters sometimes without even realizing it, okay? They can make comments that make our brides feel self-conscious. I cannot fix a lifetime of trauma in one hair trial. If your mother has told you that you have a large forehead, a flat forehead, a flat head, big ears, big nose, round jaw, whatever. I've heard it and I've seen it all. And people will come and they'll sit down and they'll be like, well, I want this because I'm insecure about this. Okay. And that is important for us as artists to understand what we're working with and make suggestions to say, well, because you said this, here is what I'm actually going to recommend for you. Because sometimes what they show us counteracts what their concerns are, okay? You never know why somebody is saying they want that particular hairstyle. It could be from past trauma, from having, um, you know, their hair or makeup done for a friend's wedding or for prom. A lot of people have prom trauma. I was just talking with somebody on Instagram about that today. Um, I think it was... I don't remember exactly who it was, um, but, you know, they they posted a reel and they were like, yeah, you know, um, don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to give you your past prom trauma with an updo. You can have an updo and it be still soft. You know, a lot of people will come in and they're like, I don't want it slicked down to my head. And I'm like, okay, who did this to you? Who hurt you, baby? You know, like... It's okay. You know, it, when people sit down and they're very strong with something like right off the bat, it's like, who hurt you, baby? Let, let me heal this trauma for you. Let's have a conversation. Why are you so scared of this? What do you think is going to happen when you're in my chair today? How do you expect me to hurt you? 
and then I can reassure them and then they're going to feel more comfortable and they're going to feel more confident in what I do create because they're going to trust that I'm listening to them and actually giving them what they need. Um, A lot of people also don't have the right verbiage for things. You know, like we talked about the natural versus neutral. Sometimes when people ask for volume, I ask for more clarification on what exactly they mean by volume. How much volume? Where do you want the volume? Do you want it in the front? Do you want it um, in the face framing? Do you want it in the crown? Do you want it in the curl size? Do you want it on the sides of the head? All of these details, because if somebody just says volume, well, that could mean something completely different to me than it means to them. And then I just give them big Texas hair and they freak the fuck out because they're like, oh, my God. And then I'm like, well, you said volume. And it's like, yeah, but then I didn't do my job right to figure out what volume they actually wanted. Um, I see people talk all the time about having bad trial experiences. Uh after the fact, and they'll, they'll be discussing this in Facebook groups, and they'll be like, well, I gave them exactly what they asked for. That's like, okay, well, that's that was problem number one. You gave them exactly what they asked for. You didn't take the time to find out if that's what they actually wanted. So you have to make sure that it's not someone else who's influencing them or if the bad experience from the past is leading them out of fear or trauma to make decisions that they're not actually going to like. Because then that's going to lead to somebody going home and looking in the mirror and being like, I hate this. I don't feel like me. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel beautiful. They didn't listen to me, even though technically you listened to the words that they said but you didn't understand them and what they really meant and it you know it's it's hard to take that criticism for some people and they'll be like well why is it my fault i did what they said they didn't know what they were talking about yeah because they're a consumer we're the professional we need to make sure okay that is what you want so i recommend whenever somebody says i want volume ask for clarification where do you want the volume? How much volume? I ask them on a scale of one to five. Five being Texas hair, uh, one being share in the 70s, that slick, sleek, flat kind of hair. Where do you want to be? You know, and some people will just be like, oh, like a two. I just don't want it slicked to my head, but I don't really, I don't want a whole lot of volume. I don't want to feel puffy. Or my face is already long. I don't want to feel more volume. I don't want it to to make my face longer or whatever. And you might be looking at their face and being like, your face isn't long. What are you talking about? They see something different in the mirror when they look at themselves than we do. Think about the last time you looked in the mirror. We have things about ourselves that we don't love. I sat down in the chair to get boudoir photos. I know the person who's doing my hair and makeup. I work for that photographer all the time. I've worked for that artist doing weddings side by side. I'm friends with her. I completely trust in her. But when I sat down, I was self-conscious about things on my own face. And I was self-conscious from past trauma of having photos edited that I had a conversation with the photographer about what I do and I don't like about editing when it comes to my face. And then 99% of those photos, she nailed it. There are some where I look at the photos and everything about it may be beautiful, but it didn't feel like my face 
and it wasn't an accurate representation of what I see when I look in the mirror. So even though everything was beautifully done, my body looked great, everything was perfect, there were some things about some photos where I instantly was like, no, I don't like that photo. It doesn't feel like my face. What I see in myself in those photos is different than her vision as a photographer. And when that makeup artist, I told her I was super self-conscious about my nose, it was because she had made a comment. She's like, oh, you have such a cute nose. I love your nose. And I was like, what? Ugh, I hate my nose. I'm super self-conscious because my sister, when I was about five years old or so, she was a senior in high school and she had an art class and she had to do um, a, I don't remember what the hell, like a, a life model or, or whatever kind of thing. And she had to draw somebody and she chose me. And so she drew my face and she struggled with drawing my nose and she blamed it on me. And she told me I had a, a round ball at the end of my nose and she couldn't get it right. And so ever since I've been five years old, so, you know, almost 34 years, I have been self-conscious about the shape of my nose. And you may have like seen in my stories and stuff like that, a filter and I hate it when it edits my nose. Weird, right? I don't like the shape of my nose, but I don't like it being changed. So we have to understand what motivates people and how they feel beautiful. And then we can give them an amazing experience. So make sure that you're asking enough questions to really understand what they want. Another good thing to kind of go into while you're talking with them, either pre trial or while you're starting to prep them or discussing what look you're going to do, ask them about their daily habits. Ask them what their concerns are and what their needs are. Because sometimes people might be saying, oh, I want an updo because their concern is something related to what they feel is going to happen if they have their hair down. And you can easily allay those fears by being like, no, 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 that's actually not, that's not a concern. We can make that work for you if that's what you really want. A lot of times when people come in for trials, uh, particularly with hair, and they'll show me a bunch of photos and I notice, okay, we're a little all over the place here. We have some ponytails, we have some half ups, we have some updos. And then I know, all right, there's, there's some trauma here or there's some concerns here. What is your biggest concern about your hair on the day of? And she might be like, ugh, well, um, I'm worried about the curls falling. So I really like the look of these half updos, but I also pin some updos and some ponytails because I figured if it's all gonna lose curl anyways, it might as well be up or it won't look so bad in a ponytail. And then boom, I know what her concern is and I know how to actually give her what she wants and make it work for her. And I can say, you know, either we can put in extensions, we can try a half updo today and give her the style that she actually wants and then make modifications to make the curls last longer if for some reason they don't last as long as she's expecting. And then I can, um, you know, help her to understand that curling her hair at home, yeah, it may not last, but that's different than when a professional does it. Um, or if her hair is fine or thin, why extensions are a good option. 
um, for thickening it up or for adding a curl or even just using the right products or layering the right products. A lot of people think that if you just load on a bunch of hard hold hairspray, then it'll make the curls last. And a lot of times that actually just weighs the hair down and makes the curl fall faster. And so I can explain to them, well, actually, if I, the way that I do it is I layer these products, I curl each curl properly, I let it cool, I let it set, and then I know how to style those curls for you without over manipulating them and blah, 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 you know, so that way I can set myself up as the expert and build an additional layer of trust and experience. And then she can be like, wow, okay, this person knew what I really wanted and was able to give it to me rather than just be like, oh, you're concerned that your curls are going to fall. Let's do an updo for you. And fed into her fear of what's going to happen. And sometimes if people are really super concerned, I'll tell them, you know, um, let's do what you really want today. Let's do a quick updo first. Sometimes, depending on the style of the hair, I'll do a quick updo first. And if I have time to then turn it into a half updo and, and I'll, I'll style the updo without as many products and without like super hard pins and a lot less pins and stuff like that. And it's literally just for photo purposes. So we can work out those details and I'll say, let's do a quick updo. I'm not going to use as much heat product or pins on it. I just want to get it into a good idea, a close approximation as I can right now. So that way you have something to compare to. And then let's do the half updo where I actually take the time to do those curls properly for you and prep with the products and, and whatnot. And then I want you to wear it the rest of the day because I want to know, are your curls going to last? I want you to trust the process. Okay. And then on the day of, we can make a game day decision. We already know what an updo is going to look like. We already have that as a check mark of that's the fallback plan but let's give you what you really want, okay? And I have a much better experience with brides that way and I don't have people following up with me afterwards saying, hey, um, I, I thought I loved the style. It's beautiful. I really liked what you did, but it's just not me. It's not what I really wanted or I thought about it or whatever. I don't really ever have that um, anymore since I've taken the time to really start doing that mind reading exercise beforehand of what do you really want? What are your concerns? What's the worst that could happen? That's a good question to ask people. What's the worst thing that could happen when it comes to your hair or your makeup? Then you know what their deepest fear is. And when you know what people's deepest fear is, you can build yourself as the expert to preventing that situation from happening. Oh, you're worried about your mascara running because you cry a lot. Well, girl, let me tell you, I have waterproof. We set it with Duraline, um, waterproof, you know, eyelash glue or whatever. Or if you're really concerned here, I offer eyelash extensions. You don't even need mascara then, blah, blah, blah. So you can take what their biggest fear is and turn it into an opportunity to be a problem solver and additionally upsell them potentially to other services that help support the solution for their concerns. Uh, other general um, tips that I have when it comes to trials is one, make sure you have enough time. 
I have fallen into the trap before of trying to book a lot of people back to back in one day because I thought it was going to be more convenient for me and um, realizing that some people need a little bit more time. So now I schedule myself way more time than I need. And that way I also have kind of like a little built in break because if I schedule three hours, but I know it's probably only going to take me between two to two and a half, um, I have, you know, between 30 to 60 minutes to clean up prep, document, and write my follow-ups before the next person comes in so that I am 100% ready and prepared for that next person. I can pull up their questionnaire on HoneyBook. I can pull up all the files inside of HoneyBook of the photos that they've sent me and make sure that I can go through a quick mental process of, okay, this is what she's looking for. I can set aside the colors of makeup that I think are going to be what she wants. I can pull out the products I think I'm going to need. I can make sure that the right hot tools to give them that curl shape or volume or whatever are ready to go for me. Um, and I can just kind of prep a little bit easier. And then I feel like a mind reader to them where they're just like, oh yes, like she knew exactly what I wanted, exactly what I needed, and she was ready to go for me. Um, again, when I'm having conversations with people at the beginning, I don't just jump right into the hair. I don't just jump right into the makeup. I have them sit down in the chair. I sit down in a chair right across from them at eye level and I have a conversation with them. I pull out my notebook. I have a specific notebook where all of my trial notes are always kept. On the day of, I rip that page out of the notebook and I tuck it in my kit and I take it with me, okay? Um, but. I write out what we discuss. And then I compare that to my notes inside the questionnaire after the fact too and be like, okay, how much has changed, if anything? But now I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm writing it all out so I know specifically what we discussed during that consultation so that I can do my follow-up afterwards and be like, as we discussed, you said, so-and-so has long, thick hair and tends to run late I've written her name down. I highly recommend she goes first on the schedule. So that way, you know, uh, we're not sitting around waiting for her, whatever. Whatever kind of conversations that you have that you discuss, details that need following up afterwards. Um, I always make sure to reconfirm those details because um, they may not think that, oh yeah, by the way, we changed that location. That's happened before where we get all the way to the end because I rushed and I didn't go over those details. And then, you know, towards the end of the conversation, you know, as I'm doing their hair, they're talking about this one location, you know, the Airbnb where we're all going to be getting ready. And I'm like, uh, I thought we were getting ready at XYZ venue. And she's like, oh yeah, by the way. So again, I go over those details um, or sometimes, you know, they'll talk about what time the venue suddenly is said, okay, well, actually we can't get into this place until X, Y, Z time. And I have to be like, okay, so because of that, we're now going to need additional artists because we can't get everybody ready on time. Um, I ask them what time the photographer is going to be arriving, what time they anticipate starting, um, photos so we can have a conversation on timing yet again uh, I've had brides who are like yeah so um the ceremony is at four so the photographer is probably going to arrive uh around three 
So I was thinking we could be done at three and I always am like, um, so I hate to break it to you, but that's probably not going to be correct. Your photographer is going to want two or three hours or whatever. And we can have an additional conversation if it's something that hasn't come up in prior, uh, prior conversations. Um, after we do the actual hair and the actual makeup, we make tweaks. Um, we get everything exactly as they want it. I take a bunch of photos. I write everything down. Okay. And then I send them on their way. My trials, because of the way that I structure things with doing the retainer, they're all prepaid. So that way I tell people when they show up, they our focus is on making sure that all the details for their wedding day process is going smoothly and that they absolutely feel amazing when they walk out the door. The rest of the details we can take care of um, at another time. It's already been prepaid for as part of the retainer. Um, so then I, it also reemphasizes why I require final balance two weeks prior to the wedding day. Because I'm like, see, just shows to show you how much smoother and easier the wedding day will go for you because everything will already be prepaid if I have any pushback. Sometimes people show up on the trial and they're like, so my bridesmaid said, could she just pay you on the day of? And I tell them, no, but she can pay you on the day of because I'm going to already be paid two weeks beforehand. So that just kind of helps to reemphasize if you're somebody who is switching from collecting payment on the day of to collecting payment in advance, which is 110% the way I recommend and the way I've done it for over a decade. Um, it's pretty standard um, throughout the wedding industry right now, and you should definitely be doing that way. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's struggling with how to verbalize that to brides, you know, I recommend having the trial be prepaid beforehand and then that way it's re-emphasizing how your process works and you can you know again mention to people be like hey see how nice and, and relaxing and easy this trial process was you don't even have to worry about payment sometimes people forget because they've paid the retainer so far in advance they forgot that that goes towards their trial and then they'll be like okay well what about paying you and i'm like that's already been taken care of you did that like six months ago like today is just about you it's just about pampering you and making you feel beautiful and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, great. And I'm like, see, wedding day will be exactly the same. I show up, I do my thing, you look amazing, I go home. So that is today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you do things a little bit differently, let me know. I always encourage you to send me feedback on any of the things that I discuss in the podcast because um, I really want to know how you're feeling about it, whether you agree or whether you disagree. I am open to discussion. I am open um, to hearing other people's thoughts and input and viewpoints and possibly having my mind changed about things. But I really think it is the responsibility of the artist to know what a bride truly wants versus just what she's asking for. And, you know, a lot of times they will come in and they're like, no, this is what I want. And they show it to you. And that is what they want. Um, but it's our level um, our responsibility to go that one level deeper, um, to make sure. Cause some, sometimes people are just like, well, my mom said I had to do an updo and it's like, well, fuck your mama. She's not getting married. She got married a long time ago. Uh, she doesn't get to control your life. Um, and you know, 
sometimes we end up having to do the updo because that's really what she wants. She wants to do what mom wants her to do. And there's just no breaking her out of that. But I want to make sure that I'm comfortable um, and confident that I'm giving her what she really wants. And I want her at the same time to understand that this is what she is asking for and this is what she really wants um, and give her an, an opportunity to stand up for herself and say, well, actually, this is what I really want. And then we can be like, okay, cool. That's what you really want. That's what we're going to do for you. So um, awesome. That was today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, send me a message on Instagram. DM me at Beauty Biz Collective. And then go out. Enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope you have some amazing consults moving forward. Do you find it hard to figure out what you need to price yourself in your bridal hair or makeup business? Do you wonder what your market is currently like, who your competition is around you, and how to find a way of differentiating yourself and setting yourself apart from others without lowering your rates? If any of these sound like you, allow me to introduce you to the solution that will bring you the clarity you need to set prices that attract the right brides for your business and eliminate the ones that are blowing up your phone and emails, asking a thousand questions, wanting discounts, and then end up ghosting you in the end. The ultimate pricing guide for bridal artists is my mini training that will walk you through exactly how to research your market to find the perfect sweet spot for your beauty business. You'll get answers around vital topics such as travel rates, out-of-town location fees, assistance, holidays, early start times, and upgrades on top of how to effectively price your hair and makeup services to attract your dream brides without stress. Included is even a super helpful calculator so you can see exactly how many weddings you need to book to reach your income goals, as well as how to set your minimums so that you're always profitable. Go to www.swearsanddoeshair.com slash setmyrates to grab your copy of the guide and training videos today. Use coupon code podcast at checkout to save 50% off the training for a limited time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel empowered, knowledgeable, and capable of handling anything that your business throws your way. Don't forget to subscribe to get access to new episodes as they are released each week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Love today's episode? Let me know. Leave me a review and tell me what your biggest takeaway was from the conversation. Have a request for a future topic or someone you'd like to hear me interview? Find me on Instagram at beautybizcollective and drop me a DM. And if you're hungry for more actionable content to help you grow your bridal business, go to www.swearsanddoeshair.com slash bookmorebrides to sign up for my free on-demand training and learn how to book better quality brides faster, easier, and with less stress.